That's what we talk about every Sunday. Every Sunday is this new life, this kingdom life that Jesus died on the cross for you to live. We've been in this series, we're talking about hallmarks of that new life, hallmarks of that beautiful life. We spent a number of weeks on the presence of the Father, that we should be a people that walk in his presence on a daily basis. We spent a couple of weeks now, it's our final week, on the power of God, the power of the Spirit, that we should be a people that has a supernatural power and quality to our lives. Not a powerless night, life. Powerlessness is part of the old life, the one that we should be setting aside we should be stepping into a supernatural presence and power, and then we're gonna get to the peace, a, a supernatural peace, an unnatural peace that we have in our lives. When I started with the peace, one of a congregational members, she emailed me her story. She was telling me the story of her, an experience she had where she was overwhelmed with the presence of God. And I was gonna use it in presence, but I decided to use, hold on to it and use it in this power idea, this idea of the power. We've talked about the, um, the baptism, the filling, the empowerment, plan that the Lord has for each and every one of us. And this congregational member emailed me this story, and she gave me permission to use it. She said, I was in my 20s, not real mature in the Lord, and I was in my apartment. I was kneeling at my couch. That was when I could still kneel, that she can't really kneel anymore, but that's okay. It's a story there. And she said, this is, I was just seeking the Lord. I was telling the Lord Jesus I wanted to see him in all his majesty and splendor and glory to know his presence. I don't know how long I had been talking and praying with him, crying out to him. I think that's a beautiful picture of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago is that sometimes the Lord is just inviting us to wait on him, or old school term was Terry. Terry, just to, just to wait, just to express to him a, a desire, a longing for more of him, more of his life in our life, more of his goodness and kindness and grace in our lives. It's called to wait on the Lord. The Lord honors and blesses that. That's what Josie was doing. She was just on her knees by herself and all she was saying, she wasn't trying to get a particular need, right? Could you heal this or do this? She was just saying, I, I wanna see you, Lord. I want more of your presence. And then her, her experience. She says, suddenly I felt someone put their hand on my back. I lived alone, and I knew there was no one else in my apartment. It was put on my back so gently, so sweetly. And yet, at the same time, it felt like this hand was going to literally push me through my couch and through my floor 
and into the next apartment below. So that really sounds like the Lord, right? A gentleness and a sweetness, and yet a, a power there. Do you know that the idea of baptism, the def- definition of that word is immersion, right? So when we're talking water baptism, there is a, an immersion in. Jesus said, I'm going to immerse you in someone else. It's my spirit. And he will give you power for life and ministry. What I believe Josie was experiencing was the gentle, sweet, empowering hand of the Holy Spirit resting on her. She said, um, uh, I told the Lord that I knew in my earthly state I couldn't handle his glory and that she was fearful that if she turned around, she would literally die, right? She wasn't that, uh, she says, I wasn't that mature in the faith. And yet, that she's describing how immensely she was feeling, how profoundly she was feeling the presence of the Lord. So she kept praying and didn't turn around. Uh, then I felt the hand lift. Oh, she said, I would, I would wait. It, it filled her, I, I believe, with an anticipation of eternity when she would get to see the Lord in his full glory and splendor and majesty. And she says, then I felt the hand lift just as gently as it had been placed on my back. There had been such a sweetness in that time. He was with me, and the memory of it has a... Sp- has been special to me all these years. I've sensed his presence since then, but not quite with that same intensity, but that's okay. I still tell him I desire more, more of his presence all the time. There is nothing like it. There's nothing like it, his presence, his power and peace, because that's part of the beautiful life he's calling us to. That's part of a a life that he longs to fill us with. I like the the phrase a lot, naturally supernatural. Do you like that phrase? I heard some chuckling. Naturally supernatural. I like it because, unfortunately, that in, in kind of the history of the church, there's been some brothers and sisters in Christ that have associated the power of the Holy Spirit with weirdness, right? But when I look at the scriptures and I see the apostles and the disciples, I don't see a weirdness, an oddity, but I see them living in a supernatural way that becomes a testimony, not to weirdness, but a testimony to the supernatural power of God in their lives. In fact, we're going to see this morning um, how the church was responding to this plan. Pentecost was the plan of empowerment for our life and ministry in the Lord. And we're going to see how the church was walking, learning, not in a weird way, but in a natural way, learning to walk in the power of the Spirit in all different aspects of their lives. Would you turn with me 
to um, Acts chapter 4. We're just continuing the story on a little bit. Oh, I almost skipped my new favorite verse that I have there. So it's one of my favorite. I still hold some old school ones there. But I came across this, and I, I love this phrase from the Apostle Paul, inspired. It says, it's 1 Corinthians 4, 20. As you turn to Acts, look at this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of... I can feel it from you. You're like, well, then, Pastor, why do you talk so much? Could you just... All right. But what he's saying, in part, is that the life, you are called to a new life. That life is in the kingdom of God in the here and now. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to live the beautiful life he's called us to. Now, someday, we'll live it fully. We'll be fully in his presence, right? That's what Josie was saying. She said, someday, I'll see his majesty, his glory, and fullness. But at least right now, in, in life today, we get to live in part in his power, in his presence, in his goodness and grace. We get to experience intimacy and kindness and love and forgiveness in the here and now. Someday it will be fully but not on this side of heaven. Do you understand that dynamic? And he's saying life in God's kingdom, you get to experience, you don't have to wait to be restored fully. You don't need to wait to experience this supernatural presence or peace of Christ until heaven. Now, the apostles They had been baptized and empowered and they're sharing uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and his kingdom and God is adding to their numbers daily those who are being saved. They're embracing the gospel and he's adding, in fact, he's gonna add 5,000. So they're in Jerusalem and they're growing rapidly and this has really bothered the religious leaders of their day. They're bothered that this, uh, what they would see as a cult, is, is growing immeasurably in this. So they want to nip this in the bud as soon as they can. The problem is, is the apostles are not only proclaiming Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God in power, they're also continuing the ministry of Jesus in, in healing people. And when people are healed, generally they get excited about the message of Jesus Christ, right? And so they healed this beggar. Peter and John were were walking to the temple and this beggar, um, really in an unexpected, he wasn't asking for healing, he was just asking for money and they said, well, we don't have money, but we'll give you some power to heal. And they heal him and, and then the beggar stands up and he begins to testify to the presence and power of the living God. And more people are coming in and believing. So the religious leaders decide that they're going to arrest. They, they arrest Peter and John 
It's in the evening, starting chapter four. We're gonna start at verse five. And so the next day, they're gonna interview them and try and convince them to stop saying all the things that they're saying. And notice the question. So verse five, the next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. This is Acts 4, now verse 6. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? An interesting question. They're really bothered. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Coincidentally, that filled is the same term in, in Pentecost that it says when the Holy Spirit came and they were empowered and baptized, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the same one, just a little bit later. Remember that. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, the healing of the beggar, shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone, quoting a psalm there that the religious institution rejected Jesus as Messiah. He's saying, no, he's becoming the cornerstone. Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I wish Peter was a little bit more clear here. A little bit more decisive. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that there's kind of a ringing there. It's not a godly ringing. I mean... I don't have my phone on me. Thank you, Mike. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Boy, I would absolutely love it if from my life and this community of faith, they said, boy, they must have been with Jesus. Wouldn't that be a great, even our enemies, if, if, we said, if the people who said, boy, I don't like Pastor Eric very much, but I, I, think he's been, I think he's been with Jesus. Wouldn't that be great? It'd be awesome. What I want you to notice from this passage, we're gonna look at this passage in detail. We've been talking about Jesus' empowerment plan for you. That this different kind of life is for you. It was foreshadowed way back in the Old Testament we saw in Numbers 11 when Moses got whiny and he started
slain, and then God said, I will give of the power and of the spirit that is on you to the 72 elders. Some of you remember that, right? It was a foreshadowing of the power plan for you. Then Jesus comes along. Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you know, it's not just me that gets to do the stuff that lives this empowered life. It's the apostles. He's empowered the 12. And then he empowered the 72 disciples. Hearkening back to Moses um, and the 72 elders. And then he says, hey, I'm calling you all to be witnesses to me, but before you go, tarry, wait, wait on the Lord, because to live this life, to testify to me, to have the ministry that God has called you to, you need power, because you can't do it on your own, because you're a powerless people. And we saw in Pentecost the, the church become the church, and they were empowered for life and ministry. And what I want you to see is how the church is living out this idea of power. It wasn't a one-time deal. It wasn't good, got it, I'm good to go, bam, no. We're like rechargeable batteries, right? Remember that? We, we need to be plugged in. We leak. The spirit within always is there. Salvation, you don't need to be saved again and again and again. No, it's always there. Once you are saved, you're, you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. But the spirit upon is something different. The spirit upon is real power for life and ministry. And we saw Jesus in his life, power would flow from his life and then he'd fill back up as he'd spend time with the Father. So for you and me, we need to plug back into the power source that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit renewed and then live newly these empowered lives. And would you note from this passage, we see some interesting things. One, that question that their enemies saw this supernatural power that was flowing from their lives, and they're saying, what power? What's the source of your power? And Peter so eloquently says, Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And then notice how they're living. One way that we see them living in this passage is that in the power of the Spirit, they were living their calling and they were living their gifts. This is what Jesus' call on the apostles' life was, is they were to be the sent ones. They were, they were called to this proclamation that there is one way, one name by which we can be saved, Jesus Christ. That this gift of salvation, this new life that, that God the Father is inviting us to, the gateway is through the cross of Jesus Christ. So they were doing what Jesus had called. That was their calling as apostles. If you look at empowered ministry, not always, but oftentimes... Power comes when our calling is revealed to us, when our calling is given to us. For example, I told you a number of weeks ago about when I was called into ministry. I thought it was perhaps just a season, but that was when I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and was weeping in his presence. It's a story of King David 
when he was called and anointed for ministry. Um, some of you know the story from the Old Testament, right? He had all these older brothers and, and the prophet Samuel goes to Jesse and said, the Lord has said, one of your sons and they run all of the sons past and he's like, no one's here. Don't, is that all your sons? He's like, in an afterthought, David was in a field. He was the youngest, perhaps most insignificant of the brothers. And then listen to how it talks about his calling. So Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 13, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Remember, we learned the Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament, not just the New, right? That there was an empowerment plan that was being seen in the Old Testament. Right there in his calling, there's this calling of David to be king and this empowerment. Friends, do you know that the testimony of Scripture is that you have a calling on your life? Some of you, I can tell you what it is. A lot of you, I can't. But it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you are male or female, black or white, young or old, that he has a calling on your life. That he wants to use you. He is at work in this world and he is building his kingdom. He is inviting more and more of heaven, the reality of heaven in your life, in your soul, in your community, in your friends and family around you, in this world around you. He has a calling on your life. And that calling is big enough that you can't do it on your own. And you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled again and again and again. Not only does he want to give you this calling and empowerment, but also there's gifts. There is naturally supernatural gifts. There is manifestational gifts that he wants to give you. Some of those gifts perhaps you have... Um, discovered in your life, some of those you have not yet discovered. He wants to give you those gifts. Look at the gifts that were happening in Acts chapter 4. Did you notice the gifts? One is the, the gift of proclamation, right? The gift of teaching. He is, Peter is doing this incredible job. He's proclaiming that Jesus is the only way to heaven and heaven to fill our lives today, only way. Another gift that he's using is healing. They healed the lame man who was begging, healed and uh, restoring. Evangelism is happening even though they were enemies, even though they were um, cantankerous towards the Christian faith. He was witnessing, inviting them through this testimony. All these gifts were taking place. Friends, I don't care who you are, according to scripture, you have a calling and gifts from the Lord. And he's inviting you and I to seek those gifts and to use those gifts. Just a, a few notes about gifts. One is, according to 1 Corinthians 14.1, in love we get to eagerly desire gifts. Did you know that? 
that we get to say, Lord, I, I want to honor you. Not for our own glory, not for our own benefit, but Lord, I, I want to eagerly desire the gifts, the calling that you have for me. Would you speak to me? Maybe we need to tarry like Josie and say, Lord, what is that calling? What are you leading me to? Lord, help me to see this new life, this new calling and the gifts that you give. We get to do that. But did you also know that we can neglect our calling and our gifts? The Father lets us do that. Sometimes I wish he didn't. I struggle with this, actually, that I feel that sometimes I neglect some gifts that he has given me. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 414. Timothy, do not neglect your gift. He was probably talking about the gift of teaching and preaching, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Remember, ministry of power often, how we join physically is the laying on of hands. We saw that. Paul was saying, Timothy, go after it. Use that gift. In another scripture, he says, fan into flames. You have a role to play for your gifts. It's not something just passive that you sit on the sideline and say, oh God, if you want to give me a calling and gifts, great, just do it. No. Paul is saying, eagerly, uh, uh, fan into flames. Don't neglect. I had a good friend who had a number of gifts. And yet she struggled, uh, a year-long struggle in ministry. One of the gifts was speaking in tongues. And she had known an intimacy with the Lord. There were other gifts that I, I knew the Father wanted to use. She lives out of state, use in the body of Christ. She hadn't been to church for years. She hadn't prayed in her prayer language in years. I was saying, for, if you want to embrace that life, start using the gifts. Bring your doubts. Bring your struggles. Lay them there, but do it in prayer. Don't neglect your gifts. Some of us might be neglecting our calling and our gifts. Some of us might not know our calling and our gifts. And we need to start waiting on the Lord. We need to start seeking the Lord. What's he calling us to do? There's another way we see the power of the Spirit. I already mentioned it was coming out in the form of gift, but the power of evangelism. This is a big part of why the religious leaders were so upset with the apostles is that not only the, the testimony to the power of resurrection, but also the demonstration of power coming from the apostles. And in fact, when Jesus talked about the baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit, he said this, but you will, this is Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. By the way, that's the, the thesis statement for the book of Acts. Not only the, the work, the acts of the Holy Spirit, 
will empower the church again and again and again, and the church will spread to the ends of the earth as it has and as it is doing. Power has always been associated with this idea of sharing our faith with evangelism. And I have to say, friends, that this is a significant miss for the church in the West, especially in the United States, that we're doing a lot of evangelism and it's a lot of good gospel work and yet there's no discussion of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our evangelism. And I think that's why we're, there's a miss that's happening, that the church in other places around the world is growing exponentially and, and multiplying. And yet the church in the United States continues to decrease and to recede. And I think part of that reason is we're missing this connection that Jesus made from the very beginning with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and evangelism. We're just not smart enough on our own. We're just not gifted enough on our own. We need the Spirit of God. What I wanted to do is invite um, a few folks up here for a quick interview because I do believe that our youth ministry has really um, helped this church, SCC, step. We have a lot of work to do, especially our adult congregation, but helped us step, step into this association of sharing our faith and evangelism and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So Michael, would you like to uh, come forward? And are you gonna come, Amanda? We have three mini stools. That is gonna be really fun to sit on. And so this is Michael Mensing. He is uh, the director of youth ministry here at SCC, doing an awesome job. And this is Amanda, who was um, one of the leaders, along with a number of our high school students, that just recently went on a mission trip to L.A. How many are here from, who went on the L.A.? Would you just stand up for a moment? So let's celebrate those guys. Cool. All right, a few of you. All right, KJ, sit down, please. That's All right, um, so Michael, tell us a little bit about the mission trip and what you guys did in the LA area. Uh, so we went uh, to specifically partner with uh, an RCA church uh, in Artesia called New Life Community Church. Um, and going in there, our big heart on every missions trip is uh, we want to just go preach the gospel and love on uh, as many people as we can. Uh, just people that we've never met, people that uh, might not even have uh, churches in their own community uh, reaching out to them. Uh, we also, in that, wanted to just see if there's anyone that we'd encounter that would let us pray for them, let us bless them uh, in just whatever way we could. Um, as well, just a couple uh, goals of ours that I don't think we've done in the past is just seeing, hey, who can we build relationship with? Who's willing to do more than just let us pray for them and leave? Who's willing to talk to us? Um, but also we had this uh, passion, real vision for 
uh, equipping young people uh, specifically at their church to uh, go out and do evangelism to their community. Um, at, at the RCA church, part yes. of the vision was, and the youth director was receptive to that. Absolutely. Is equipping, empowering what we're talking about here, that that youth group would start doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the youth pastor down there, his name's Ryan. Um, he has such a big passion for seeing his community reached and has such a big passion for seeing young people embrace their gifts. Uh, reaching their community and just to begin walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So he was really excited to have us down there. So give us just a, a couple of stories um, about as, which I think at the heart of connecting evangelism with empowerment is simply prayer. It is simply offering people, um, not just when you go door to door as they were courageously doing, but also prayer um, for our coworkers, for our friends, for our neighbors, inviting the presence and power of the Lord into that uh, uh, relationship or that area of need that's identified. So tell us a few stories about that, what you guys experienced. Did something happen? <laughs> Hello? Hi, guys. She will not be silenced. We won't put Amanda in a corner. Movie reference. Anyways, moving on, Amanda. Um, yeah, so I, I keep breaking it. Can we try uh, voice three? See if that works better. Hello. Hey. Hi. So we basically went around um, the city of evangelists, or sorry, the city of Los Angeles doing evangelism, um, and basically we just prayed every day, like, God, where will you have us go? What people do you want us to reach? Who do you want us to talk to? And for one of the days, we were led to a park um, in the city, and it was a huge park, um, and we were in groups of two, basically just going around asking people what they needed, if they needed prayer, if they needed healing, all of that good stuff. Um, and one story that really sticks out to me is the story of a man named Steve. And um, Steve was a homeless man. I'm sure he's still homeless probably, but um, he basically just opened up to us. Um, and we, we just walked up to him and we're like, hey, we're just going around the park today, just praying, um, seeing if, if we can bless you in any way. And he's like, yeah, I could really use some prayer and stuff. And basically, we ended up talking to this man for a good, like, 45 minutes just about his life. And we prayed for um, this provision for him. And um, he couldn't get a job because um, he used to be, like, a convict. And he was in jail for quite a few years. But um, just walking away from him, uh, he was just in tears. And God really, really touched his heart. And I don't think I've ever seen someone like that grateful um, in my life. And just his, his entire um, just face was lit up at the end of it, whereas when we first walked up, you could just see he was just so down, so hopeless. Um, and so we really saw like God's spirit and his power just move and um, bring hope to the hopeless in essence. Um, and then one other really cool story is just a story of healing. And we saw so many healings during the trip, um, physically and um, emotionally, but it was really cool. Um, just to walk around and, and see people that didn't even believe in God or they didn't even think that God healed, like see them heal themselves, their own injuries, their own 
um, infirmities. And so we, we were walking down the street and um, there was this guy just, um, he had a cart and he was just pushing it around uh, selling shaved ice. And um, basically God spoke to us and he's like, that guy needs joy. And so we go up to him and we're like, hey, this is gonna sound crazy, but um, I think God wants to give you joy today. Like, can we pray for joy for you? And this guy ends up not even like knowing God. Like he doesn't want anything to do with God. He thinks we're weird. He wants us to leave as soon as he like realizes we don't wanna buy his shaved ice. Um, and so he's like, get out of here, you weirdos. But this guy named Daniel comes up and um, this guy actually has a knee injury. And the girl I was with, she started feeling uh, like this warmness in her hands. They started tingling, um, which is often a sign of like healing power. Um, and so basically she's like, hey, can we pray for you in any way? Like, do you have any like injuries and stuff? And he's like, yeah, my knee is actually really bothering me. Um, and on the side, he basically came from like this construction work area and there were like six or seven um, other construction workers and they were just thinking we were the craziest people on earth, just trying to pray for them, trying to like tell them about Jesus. And so he's like, yeah, we can, we can uh, pray for my knee. And so we start to pray for him, we lay hands on him, all of that. Meanwhile, all his coworkers are like having a ball, just like thinking we're so dumb, um, you know, because they don't know God. And uh, basically we pray for him, he gets healed, he starts moving his leg around, we ask him if he has any pain. He's like, no, all the pain's gone, there's nothing there. Um, he walks back to his group of friends and he shows them all and they're like, what? And like, um, they're just all in a circle, just like in, like in awe. And, um, so basically like God showed like seven, eight people just his power through that one prayer. So, yeah. Can we celebrate that? Important detail, did you get any shaved ice after that or was, was it complimentary after that? Missed opportunity. Michael, go ahead. Um, so one or, one or two stories. Uh, I think just one. Just one. Okay. Yes. Um, so th this is kind of awesome for two parts. I don't know whose group was in the, the woman that had cancer. Who's that? Was that your group or was that? Was that Marissa's group? Uh, uh, Perhaps insignificant to the story. <laughs> go on. Um, but we had one of our groups go out, and they ran into this uh, older woman who had cancer, and she was uh, in a wheelchair. Um, and they just boldly um, asked, like, hey, can we pray for you? And she allowed them to pray, and just laying hands on this woman with, with cancer in a wheelchair and praying for her. And uh, apparently once, when they get done, she just says, this is the first time I haven't felt pain in a long time. And it, it was such a radical, beautiful thing. And it was ironic, because not ironic, it was God. The next day, Amanda gets a text from Veda saying, hey, I just feel like this is a word for somebody that you're going to meet or might have already met with cancer. And so it was just like this confirmation of what God was doing uh, in that. So, yeah. Can we celebrate them? Thank you, guys. Awesome. I think those are beautiful pictures of the life that God is calling us to press into. Do you know that um, 
that is done locally here. You don't have to go to the LA area. And it actually, it doesn't have to be strangers. It can be people, friends, that that's part of your testimony is that you believe in the power of prayer. You believe in the power of prayer. What if you simply brought that faith and that testimony in kindness to the people in your sphere of influence? What kind of impact would that make? Just that, that simple belief and faith. We don't know why some people are healed and some people are not and all of that. There's a mystery there, but that's okay. We walk in faith. We, we trust the Lord. We invite his goodness and kindness. I re- also liked the first story um, that Amanda shared because when we do that, when we, when we share the love of Jesus Christ in prayer, they feel heard and loved on. And it's the, isn't that a supernatural deal that someone gets to experience the love of God through our words, our ears, our, our, our listening, our patience, our kindness? How beautiful would it be if we were the aroma of Christ, the presence of Christ, and the power of the Spirit to those in our sphere? Beautiful testimony. Let me uh, uh, wrap up. Um, so there was a, a power and righteousness that I wanted you all to see. Um, and uh, that's not as apparent in the text. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip that one. Just to say this, um, I would say, see righteousness as a power within. And, and it, it struck me that they noted that these men had been with Jesus. That, that there's something about their life, their words, their response, that there was a, a power within that was working within them that was this beautiful testimony. Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Why do you think he pairs getting drunk with wine and the filling of the Holy Spirit? Well, when you get drunk, you don't stay drunk, do you? You have to keep drinking. I mean, I've just seen on television and so forth. (laughs) That's there. No, we don't. Right? It's something that they're filled in. And and when when you're struggling or in pain or lonely or or, or something like that, you have to keep taking that in, right? You have to keep taking that in. Paul says, don't do that. that. That's not part of the new life. That's not part of the good life. That's not part of why Jesus died for you. No, you get to be filled. The Greek there is this going of ongoing. You get to keep, uh, in in fact, in 1 Corinthians, it says drink of the Spirit, right? So in a very similar way, we get to be filled with this. If we're struggling with something here, struggling with sin, we get to invite the Spirit's presence 
so that we don't have to will it ourselves because most of us are unsuccessful, right? When we try and will it ourselves. All right, just this final point, which I think is very, very important, is also in this passage of scripture, we see the power of the spirit and blessing and healing. And um, placing of hands on people was often associated not only with the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but also with healing and blessing. Many of you know the, the story where all these people were trying to get these children to Jesus, right? And the apostles are like, what a waste of time. Get out of here. I'm ad-libbing just a little bit. And, he, and Jesus says, are you so dull? Not in that, but I'm ad-libbing here. So he's like, no, let the children come. Don't you love that about Jesus, right? It's a great story. I love that story about Jesus. And then did you notice, perhaps we don't talk enough about what Jesus does. He says, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like little children will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Jesus not only placed hands for healing, but he placed hands for blessing, especially on children. And he's calling his followers. He's calling his church to continue the ministry of placing hands and healing, just like the testimony we heard, and blessing, that he's inviting us to be agents of blessing in this broken world, in your broken family and extended family, in the lives of the broken people around you, he's calling you to be that blessing, to praise God, receive blessing, receive healing, and then become that agent of blessing. One more passage of scripture this morning. That Jesus laid his hands on people and they were healed. The apostles, the 12 Luke 9 laid their hands on people and proclaimed the kingdom were healed. The 72 were, he, uh, were he, uh, healing others. And then at the end of James, in this beautiful picture of the church, is the church supposed to continue on that ministry? Well, the inspired author of scripture, James, the apostle says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Friends, I don't want us just to listen and hear about empowered life and ministry, but I long for us to, to learn and to experience empowered life and ministry. I asked the prayer team if they would come this for this morning and um, as we, as we uh, close with our final song, we just allow um, people who need prayer and he, uh, healing in any form to come forward. If the worship team would want to come forward, 
and um, our prayer team. And we're gonna have four stations of two people. And um, as I was praying for this morning, I was struck by how many people I know close to me that are walking in some form of sickness or struggle. Some of us were walking in physical sickness. Some of us are walking in, in spiritual brokenness or emotional pain. And I believe wholeheartedly that the heart of the Father is saying, that's, that's not my desire for you. My desire is that you, the restoration of all things, that's what the kingdom of God is, that we invite the kingdom. Do you know the first place the kingdom enters the world? Not in a temple, not in a church. The first place the kingdom of God enters in the world is in the heart is in the soul, your soul, your heart, and mine. And I think when James says we pray in faith, he gives us permission to set aside all the questions we have about why does God heal this person, why not, or why do I pray, and all. Those Those are okay questions we can wrestle, but don't let those questions be a barrier of simply letting the leaders of the community pray over you for healing and restoration. Don't let it be a barrier. If there's any way that you need healing and restoration, we don't have to wait till we send a mission team away. We get to pray right here, right in this moment. I, uh, yes, we have had many healings here. In fact, we're trying to figure out how to fill, increase our faith to let people know the testimony of healings that are going on here. But my, my point is, is that right now in this special place, in the presence of the Lord is unique among his gathered people. And I'm convinced that this above every other time in our lives. Yes, does he heal in one-on-one times in a living room? Absolutely. Does he heal on street corners? He does. But this time where we're gathered together as children of God, we've heard the word preached. Now could we receive and fill and drink of the Spirit for whatever we need? Can we stand together?